Greetings. My name is Larry D. Giles, and it's October 19th, 2021. Uh, absolutely gorgeous day outside. Um, I like to talk a bit before I read, because um, knowing a little about the reader, the writer, uh, enhances the piece one is reading or listening to. Um, I also record my stuff, especially the vignettes I'm working on for my next book, because it helps me to see if the writing is where I want it to be, if I'm saying exactly what I want to say. It helps me to um, validate the tone and uh, the wholeness of the piece. That said, this piece is called Kindling. As you know, Kindling um, is the very small pieces of uh, firewood that one gathers to help get a fire going. It's usually the drier parts of the wood that's thinner in texture. It was especially important to us in the 50s because we used the old wood stoves for heating. So uh, getting in the kindling at night was, um, was a part of our culture. And it still is a part of some cultures, I guess, some of the people who have fireplaces and whatnot. Um, what do I hope to accomplish in this piece? If I can say that without being too heady. Um, some of the objectives are elusive, I would say. When I write, I'm not only writing to attain specific objectives, I'm writing to to see what happens, what lights up and what uh, fizzles because of the interaction of the words and the interaction of the elements that I'm evoking. So they are uh, peripheral things that happen and, you know, I want to access those as much as anything else. Uh, some of my objectives are more exact. For example, one of the things I wanted to achieve in this is how do we process the past and live more happily in the present? Two, how does a child understand a world which doesn't exactly know itself? Three... How did African Americans continue to achieve in the 40s and 50s without a clear understanding of themselves and what preceded them? For both blacks and whites and others achieve in a world where the parts are often spotty and unclear. Five, how do we fuel ourselves in a world where so much is unknown and arbitrary? 
this is an ongoing life issue that uh, we deal with in the 40s and 50s, and we'll always be dealing with it. And finally, all of the fragments of our lives do not always align, yet we somehow, in most cases, I would say in many cases, we find meaning, even when none is given. And basically, those are some of my goals for writing. So as I was putting this together, those were some of the thoughts in my head. And as I said before, I record these pieces, you know, to leave a legacy, but also record them as a way of editing and seeing if my, my intentions have been um, achieved through words. Title, Kindling, From the Boy Beside the Woods. I don't believe the need to conquer and be heroic was necessarily something my grandparents taught. Yes, the first uncle had it, but I don't know for sure where he found it, nor why the youngest uncle didn't have it in the same way. As I knew him, my father was similar, a somewhat shapely face with few pictures before the opening of the well. My mother was also, or she became so with a few more half-full buckets of whatever, and maybe a washtub of diapers, distant, then close, then distant then at times, befuddlingly playful. I can't remember it exactly. At times, it gets all mixed up like in a swirl or haze, at most not quite spelled out like a primer. Sometimes I knew the page, and sometimes I did not. In one chapter, I may have been weak and strange, in another strong and brave. Much of life as I knew it was like that, not one and the same. One day hot, the next maybe without enough wood. Clarity, maybe even coherence, was in the water. It was also over the hill, and maybe the youngest uncle not and not far away my mother, had been old enough, had not been old enough to go there. And yet, it must have kept running and cropping up along the edges of the fields. And yet, it must have grown quietly in the soil and air where a bird pecked a small grain of sand waited for one in particular, something without an exact name or origin, a part of a, a reflection between many hills, stretched down through the years it lay quietly below us. Through a storm it passed and rose to the clouds, 
an entire community of others like us, and maybe like me, that see, seize, and even let go. I wasn't sure. What came before was at times a fog, a chuckle of oak or poplar flown away from the pile, and I nor anyone knew how it may have been used to make a fire. And this was also true of the present, the house warm and cozy and sad. And even so, at times, in the cold of February, so deep and white it would bury us, no one saw anything. Like religion and prayer, there was not always something to be seen. Or a hot day in July or August, some god or deity had misplaced it. Down in their scruffy hats, their dungarees for sharecropping, for plowing in a garden were pictures of fathers, not photographed or framed, some not known because I guess they didn't exist, and if they existed, no wall was big enough to hang them, the heart that is a lonely hunter, the arms that are the gatherers of trees. Sometimes the dirt roads behind roads the fields behind fields, the yards behind gates, could be a container for gathering. But what was gathered felt like aloneness, a handful of something all men and women carry when they don't know they are carrying it. In the air like sawdust spinning, it entered the march wind where kites were flown and broken settle through a window in May by a grandmother's bed when the father is lost and doesn't come by, swept away and stranded on a ship in the middle of the ocean, an oasis, a very remote island. An old drunk lady suddenly carrying it in the tattered pocket of her flowered dress with padded shoulders, between the trees, hanging forever, on a back dirt road where she dreamed she would have children. Tipping through the thickets and horse nettle and scruffy woods, she had gone to an old mulatto's still, maybe my mother's grandfather, the one who was aloof and strange, and also maybe rich with something. One of them, I think, had sipped the plum wine and corn liquor while also contemplating the thread for a new apron. She wasn't sure she even liked aprons. For sure her husband didn't, or he wouldn't have struck her first thing in the morning. She staggered, pushing away the lush green bushes and the possibility of chiggers, she stumbled to get home. At the window, and wanting to be in the yard, even with no one, I watched her pass the gate, a net of drizzle before it was a question, and then a period, and then nothing. 
Mama was supposed to come and pick me up, but she didn't. One of the aunts said that day she was getting married again. I didn't know what she was doing. She didn't tell me. Happy, but mostly gray. Not my father. The large gray house across the field was gray. The oldest brother, the white man who was my father's boss, was sitting with the handyman who had been a servant. And before that, I don't know what he might have been. Maybe a gambler or an uncle. The old mother came out in a scarf and handed the son a plate of something. On the other side of the porch, the handyman looked out far into the rain. Peering at first, I looked away for Mama. I don't expect I know how long he'd been there, Grandmother said. Been there ever since we come down here, I reckon. It was maybe in the 30s, she added. She was rather lost in thought, though it was not her nature to be lost. Maybe distant as a ship sometimes, but not lost. I loved being around her too much for her to be lost. Quietly, she moused through her can of buttons. But the right one, I think, hid under a thimble. She kept looking and wondering till she gave up for another thought. Maybe Willie know. Ring you got in enough wood, she supposed. He come from up the road, gambling house, I think. But it was a house, it was the house before the one they got up there now. And we got uh, plenty enough, plenty enough wood in here. Wind ain't directly from the north tonight. He added a piece of green to the stove that coughed. Was one of the good brothers. Not sure how he turned out good, much less come down here. Suppose he walked pretty much like the rest of us. Then my grandfather, a flicker of lamplight, went back to the Bible. The children of Israel lost in the desert, or maybe the wilderness. Not far from the river, two of his half-brothers had been killed in a tavern a long time before. He never talked about it. The flicker waned and danced a little with shadows. The weeds and tiny seedlings were damp, but also struggling. The path laid in deep. I imagined my uncle walking there in the shoes he often remarked were bare. His two younger brothers at his heels, including my father, whose face I wasn't sure I could make out. They were nearly pushing the tallest along through the moist morning air. Their words were as silent as the field, stretched out all the way back to the woods that slipped down comfortably into the shadows. They were talking, but the words had become a part of the woods that dipped out of sight into the grayness of a long sliding slope. A bird suddenly flew up from the corn and went. The old lady was on the woodpile 
out some distance from the house where the headstones behind her were already up in the peaks of sunlight. She was halfway silent and halfway mumbling. Like my grandmother, and I suppose like me, she wasn't a talker. She usually gave the sugar with few words, just like her son. Awkwardly and somewhat roundabout, I learned the sun was laid up from a spree and Clanks, the handyman, was nowhere to be found. I didn't know where the other two sons were. They may have already moved out. She struggled with the bucket of kindling and placed it on the long porch, then went to the shed to give me the file which my grandfather sent for. She was too old and thin, and I guess white to be gathering wood. I dreamily thought crossing the wet field. Though looking back, I saw Clanks come out to help. Under the huge empress he played, his banjo laid back like an old friend he had made when no one was looking. The old black man who maybe had no origin, playing something sweet and familiar all the same. The old ragtime wrapped around my grandfather like a blanket. His legs crossed before him like on a monocycle or bike. Out and around it came, filling the bedroom and yellow evening window where I was buried in my grandmother's drawer. <laughs> Up high on nothing much. I called myself cleaning because I wanted to please her or something. She was in the plunder of her can. Thoughts drifting like threads and leaves, and sometimes not even thoughts. My fingers tingle with my sad adventure. My father also suddenly remarried. An old brown glove without a partner. A book of matches from a place in Philadelphia. Didn't you and Granddaddy used to live in Philadelphia? I asked, barely able to say it. Wasn't that where Uncle Diggy Boy was born? The banjo music came again, and it also went. The limbs of the Empress reaching down with yellow forgetfulness. I found the photograph all the way at the bottom under some shoebox tissue, that the jumble clothes and this and that, the Jehovah's Witness books and empty perfume bottles had flattened. Two of the uncle's brothers on the backyard woodpile when they were boys, the box for kindling may be empty. I had never seen them as children because no other picture I think existed, nor any of my father or mother as children. I dusted the talcum off, the two brothers' britches, their faces excited and warm as flames. In their pilot's caps, they looked like Arctic explorers, the woodpile like the sea against the brown-toned sky. The cross saw in their gloved hands was pursed for cutting, the log too huge and long for imagination. I'm not sure they imagined. 
they pulled and puffed before the old pear tree that was then not more than a sapling. And then the banjo music, beautiful, jumpy and soft as clouds, came again and died. Splintered and lightheaded with an armful of joy and sorrow, I loved the uncles, my grandmother, and even the banjo player, and wanted to do right by them. But I'm not altogether sure I could tell anyone why. And still, not knowing was almost enough to silence any more questions. I placed the picture quietly back in the drawer and silent as the moonlight, went out to get another whole armful of kindling. Thank you very much. I like this piece a lot. Even if I were to read it again, I would, um, I would lighten the tone just a bit, but it just so happens that I'm reading it when I'm a little bit tired. So that made the tone drag a little bit. Thank you very much and have a good night.